Hey, welcome back to the Defend Your Ground podcast. This is episode 32, and today is August 8th, 2023. If you live out west, there's been a flurry of news stories about President Biden. He's visiting the states of Utah, New Mexico, Arizona. When we first heard about this planned visit last week, I published on social media right away. It looks like President Biden's coming out here to designate a new national monument, and it looks like our prediction turned out to be true. We've been hearing rumblings. There were meetings a few weeks ago in northern Arizona about the possible designation of what is being called the Baj Nuavo Ita Kukveni Grand Canyon National Monument. And I have no idea if I pronounced that correctly, but since that's what they're calling it, I decided we all should start try learning how to pronounce it so that we can call it what they're naming it. And Simone, why don't you tell us, I'm here with Simone Griffin, our policy director, and why don't you tell us where this is uh, when people hear National Monuments, and it has the word Grand Canyon in it. So people probably think, oh, it's just the Grand Canyon. Let's go protect the Grand Canyon. I love the Grand Canyon. And if you if you support protecting the Grand Canyon, I have good news for you. It's already protected. <laughs> You're good. Uh, it's, our, it's a national park. There's millions of acres. And there's already the um, Grand Canyon Parashant National Monument. There's around the Grand Canyon that protects it. And there's a few wilderness areas in the Kaibab National Forest. I mean, there's already a lot of protective designations surrounding the Grand Canyon. Uh, this new monument, 1.1 million acres. And yep. we'll tell, tell us about the boundaries, like if you, so that people know where this so is So the majority of it and, is north of the Grand uh, Canyon so up to the Utah border. You've got the Arizona Strip. Um, you do have a section that's south of the Grand Canyon. But the majority of it is northern Arizona, uh, just south of Utah. So there's quite a few uh, ranchers that are in southern Utah that um, ranch in both Utah and northern Arizona that this affects them. Um, so it's primarily that section in between the Grand Canyon and the Utah border that is going to be designated as a new national monument. Yeah, so there's essentially like three units of this and so if you've driven to the south rim of the Grand Canyon up through Tucson you have you're driving through the Kaibab National Forest you'll notice there's a lot of trees big ponderosa pine trees so there's a big forest area that's national forest whenever I've driven through there I see a lot of people out there camping I know folks who live in Arizona who that's the hunting unit where they go and hunt and so this is an area that is currently managed as multiple use forest land. Uh, you have an area south of Colorado City that is, if you're driving to Kanab from St. George and you look out your south window, you're basically looking at this area. And then if you go over the Kaibab Plateau and you drop off the plateau as if you're headed towards Marble Canyon, you have the Vermilion Cliffs National Monument, which is kind of to the north of this boundary. So it's everything south of Vermilion Cliffs National Monument to the river. And that's a big open land that really just 
you, I, my guess is you has a, I mean, I've looked at maps. There's roads that give you some access to the river, meaning the cliffs. It's not the river gets pretty just deep to right there. It. Yeah, yeah, just to overlooks, and then also it looks like there's some access to the foothills of where the Kaibab Plateau goes up and kind of where the entrance of where the Colorado River enters the Grand Monument. That's kind of where this is, or, or where the Colorado River enters the Grand Canyon. Um, that's kind of what we're talking about here. And so it's 1.1 million acres. And you mentioned some of the folks that will be impacted by this. Blue Ribbon Coalition, we're currently in court. We've challenged the President Biden, the administration's expansion of the two national monuments in Utah. They expanded Bears Ears, they expanded the Grand Staircase Escalante National Monuments. And this was in response to Chief Justice Roberts of the Supreme Court. He acknowledged in some statements that he thinks this power of the Antiquities Act is being abused, that there's no discernible limit to how big a monument can be according to some modern-day presidents and the designations they've made. And although the, the statute has a limiting factor, they say it has to be the smallest area compatible with the care and management of the resources. So Simone, everything you've read about this monument, what are they? What are the resources they're protecting through the designation? We haven't seen the proclamation yet, so we don't know. But we can read the news stories and kind of see what this is really about. What are they? What are they saying? Well, they're saying that they want to protect it for. So dark sky is one of them. Um, soundscapes, landscapes, and then they also want to protect it from mining. Um, because of habitat, wildlife, so those are their huge concerns. And then also for um, tribal and ancestral values. And okay. so that's why it has the name that it has, because it's um, tribal language. Sure. So the Antiquities Act does give you the authority to protect cultural sites, um, sites, and artifacts and objects. Not the entire uh, landscape. Yeah, not the entire landscape and not something called cultural values. That's not really what the what that's there to protect. A value isn't something that's situated on a landscape. It's something that exists within a person. And uranium mines. I mean, you you come from San Juan County, you're I believe your family's been involved in uranium mining, as were most people that lived in southeastern Utah any time in the recent past. Uranium—it's just like everywhere, right? Like if you it's uh, everywhere, people everywhere don't even realize. So uh, they're so worried about it, and like you're already around it; it's already in nature. It's not like we're creating a new element. <laughs> like but when there. you build a but when you build a uranium mine. Are you also then mining the entire million acre landscape to mine uranium? No. Like, do you have to disturb the whole million acres of the landscape? No, and it's actually funny is like you drive through um, Bears Ears National Monument. I've asked people, I say, okay, look around. Can you tell me where there was a uranium mine? I know, and so I can, I know where there were some, but people, you'd have no idea. So it's not like it leaves this lasting, horrible, scar on the landscape most people look around and they're like there were 
you can see where there used to be a uranium mine? I'm like, yeah, I can see like five of them, <laughs> but people have no idea. So again, though, the mining sites, if that's really a concern, and the National Monument's designed to protect a landscape against the impacts of mining, the smallest area compatible for protecting a landscape against a mine isn't a million acres. Yeah, it's just where the mine's at. And we know this because there's abundant administrative record of the agency allowing mining claims to be developed and each mining claim has a plan of operation which requires environmental mitigation to reduce the impact of the environmental disturbances that happen from the mine and those contain the impacts within a smaller amount of acreage. There isn't a plan of operation that requires a miner to go out and reduce impacts millions of acres away from where their mine is operating. And so to use the Antiquities Act as an effort to forestall mining activities, and they've been very blatant in acknowledging that's what this one's for. Uh, Bears Ears actually does have an abundant number of cultural sites, and I suspect, and, and they exist here too. They exist all over the Southwest. Yeah, again, everywhere. Again, a cultural site you can protect through a smaller area compatible with managing that resource than a million acres. And even in Bears Ears, where you have a heavy proliferation of sites, I, I still think the massive landscape level monuments way too big that's what we it makes it unmanageable if you're really trying to protect just you know those sites then just protect those sites so that then the blm the forest service they have the resources that they can actually manage that but they it, they've proven that they cannot manage over a million acres it's too expansive it's too much i mean it just doesn't work yeah, and we, I mean, there was a story just last week in the Los Angeles Times, so this isn't some right-wing hit job on National Monuments. This is the LA Times, and they wrote a, a pretty substantial length story about the National Monument that President Obama designated in the San Gabriel Mountains, which are the mountains outside of Los Angeles. They're within an hour's drive of 18 million people, as soon as he designated it a national monument, it became the, a destination. It's where everybody decided to go. That's the number one first impact that any national monument designation does, is it puts a target on that landscape for that to now become essentially a new national park is how the public sees them. And so if you want to drive a substantial number of visitors into an area that previously wasn't receiving any, or a very minimal amount, designating in a national monument is the first way you do that. So Simone, what's happening in the San Gabriel Mountains where all these people are now visiting? There's so much trash. Yeah, no, they had pictures of it. <laughs> yeah, it's bad. And but you it's... know, I have similar pictures on the Hole in the Rock Road in Grand Staircase as Glanny National Monument. I mean, that's just what happens when you designate something as a national monument, as you said. Yeah, and in California, I mean, it really looks like I, I mean, I have a, I've taken loads of stuff to the dump before. San Gabriel National Monument looks like a garbage dump. If I was to send you a picture of the Washington County landfill in southern Utah, and then, which is kind of a landfill built around in, like, nestled in some, like, cliffs and plateaus and stuff in southern Utah, it's a scenic dump. Um, 
it's if I, and if I was to go and take is. pictures of that dump and then send you pictures of that they've showed you at the San Gabriel National Monument and I say which one of these is is a national treasure that's being protected and which one of these is a garbage dump we could, we I should would do a probably have people guess that Washington County landfill is actually the national monument. We should do that. <laughs> it, it's well, it's better managed trash than what's going on in the San Gabriel Mountains. And so I was reading through that story in the Forest Service. They're like, oh, we're trying to fix the problem. We're trying to hire a technician that can manage the contracts that empties the garbage bins. Just and they can't hire a person to oversee the contract. So Simone, uh, in, in Escalade, you guys have community dumpsters, is that right? Yeah. Do you ever have to oversee that those get dumped or do they just kind of get dumped every, like a certain day of the week? They just get dumped a certain day of the week. It shouldn't be too hard to manage. I have the garbage cans I take out to the street. Guess how many times I've had to call the garbage company to oversee the contract they they signed with me to pick up my garbage. Zero times. Zero times. They just do it. I pay them the bill. Shocking. And they come and do it. I don't. It doesn't require a full time job in my house to have them. And so to manage that contract. I've so. run businesses where we have contracted garbage dumps. That's the one thing I never had to think about. Mm -hmm. Is the garbage going to get dumped? I didn't ever even ask myself that question. It just happened. I paid the bill, and they would come and dump the garbage. It was like clockwork. That's it's a garbage collection is an industry that the market in the United States of America has figured out how to solve. If you pay your bill, they just come do it. I don't know what the Forest Service is trying to figure out here, but they haven't figured it out. And this is like the crown jewel. This is the national monument, the pristine thing that we're protecting. They don't have the budget for it. They don't have the yeah, capacity to manage it. It's there's idiot. It's it's idiocy baked into the cake of what they're allowed to do, and they can't manage it. The, and it's not just garbage. They say there's hypodermic needles everywhere. They said they there were even carcasses of goats and pigs or chickens or something because they're out there having like seances and spiritual ceremonies and then leaving the dead animals there, and so. National Monuments, it's like the fast track to turning your precious, pristine landscapes into a garbage dump. And Biden's about to go designate the a million acre garbage dump for Arizona. And the other thing that they're not being even remotely shy about in all of the press coverage is this is a campaign stop for President Biden. He's out there to parade his accomplishments in the West. And so this isn't about protecting anything on this landscape this is this about is an re-election and using million acres of public land in the west to close off the public to turn it into something that's and unmanageable private property it's using people's private property their livelihoods their way of life their culture as a campaign and it just and i've read the antiquities act it's not like a really lengthy law and there's nowhere in there that says the antiquity is there to protect the re-election chances of U.S. presidents. It, like, that's not a thing it's designed to protect. And so the fact that they're stating that's the purpose of this, the press, the press secretary of the White House, and others are saying that's why they're there. Uh, they're just not even hiding it. And so 
I'm hopeful that there will be litigation challenges to this. I think that John Roberts did open the door for Supreme Court scrutiny. We're we're definitely going down that path if we find the right collection of those that are injured by this action. Uh, we would certainly consider it at Blue Ribbon Coalition. I've heard rumors that others might challenge this as well. Uh, there are those, Simone, who will say, oh, it's just, it's National Monument. We're protecting it. And <laughs> I've read the stories that are like, oh, this won't affect any existing mining claims. This won't affect the ranchers. This won't, this won't affect anything. All it'll do is just good. It'll just protect things. It's only ever good, these national monuments. They never have any negative consequences. They took measures to make sure there wouldn't be any negative things that go on. Simone, you live right next to a national monument. When they make these promises that the monument's not going to affect anything, is that true? Nope, it is not true. Um, we've already seen ranching decrease along the monument um, through allotments being bought up by organizations that don't put cattle on the allotments and through a reduction of AUMs. And then just recently, um, one of the main roads, which is a county road, but it goes through the monument. It's the Hole in the Rock Road. It's one of the most traveled routes um, within the entire monument, there's a there's a lot of historical and, and cultural um, significance to this road. And our county put up a sign because they're getting so many roadblocks and red tape to try to maintain this road because it does see a lot of travelers. They're trying to maintain it and they're getting roadblocked um, by the BLM to do these improvement projects on our, this road that so desperately needs it. I mean, you can't get to the end of this road um, unless you're in a very special vehicle and even now it's a struggle um, even if you are in like a side-by-side -side or a jeep or a well-equipped uh, well vehicle um, because the BLM doesn't let them do maintenance so our county put up a sign saying hey travel at your own risk but because of the monument we can't maintain this road <laughs> and so we do see monument designations hurt ranchers access even the county it there's negative impact that's never talked about and never analyzed. Exactly. And so this isn't just, I mean, Hole in the Rock Road, years ago, this was getting 90,000 visitors a year. It gets more visitation than some state parks in Utah. And because of its historical and cultural significance, the things the monuments there allegedly to protect... It's making it so you can't even go. And they're making it, it, they're refusing to allow maintenance so you can't go and access and enjoy the monument. And there are some who are saying, oh, well, you were just complaining about increased visitation levels. I'm like, well, sorry, they made it a monument. So, yeah, now it does have increased visitation levels. And their way for managing that isn't to build bathrooms. It's not to have trash collection services come. It's not to maintain roads. It's to let the whole thing go into disrepair so the public cannot access it and enjoy it. And so and if you think... it turns people against each other. I mean, you've got the locals, they see the sign and, you know, they're frustrated and they say, we need to keep the tourists and the visitors at bay. And it's not their fault. They don't understand that it's 
it, it's the BLM, it's the federal government that is not letting, if we could just maintain the road, if they would let the county maintain the road that they have, I mean, it's just nonsensical. <laughs> and so it's putting these two groups at, against each other when it shouldn't be that way. Yeah, and so we oppose the creation of this monument. We've had an action alert where you could contact your representatives and the president. I mean, at this point, he's clearly going to do it anyway. If you've submitted comments through this action alert, we appreciate that. Uh, we found with Bears Ears and Grand Staircase that when Trump shrunk those monuments, it's because that local community had done a very good job of creating a record of dissent and opposition to that monument so it didn't feel like this one-sided thing, which, oh, this is all good. And so I spent yesterday, we released a press release saying we opposed this, and I sent that to dozens of reporters to see if they'll include it in their press stories. We'll see if they do, because the press's impulse is to just celebrate National Monuments. These are just great. Go Joe Biden. And we'll see what they do. Um, but we want there to know. We want there to be a record that there was opposition to this. We need to know who are the injured people who've been damaged by this action. So if you haven't filled that out yet, we invite you to do that. It's in our show notes. And uh, once they move forward with developing management plans, once a monument's created, it's not done. They actually have to create a monument management plan. They usually have advisory committees. All kinds of things that they do to change the man. Like they, they, they have to start locking you out of your public land, and that doesn't just happen overnight. They have to go through a process to do that. Just like they can't go pick up their own garbage, they have to go through a process. They just can't manage it. They have to go through a 10 year process to figure out all the ways they're going to lock you out of your public land. And so we'll be monitoring those efforts on this monument. Some of the things we're very concerned about is. Uh, this is where one of the access roads that goes to Torweep and Tuweep Overlook is, uh, if you're coming from the Kanab side. And there's so there are a lot of recreation access routes there that get to the north rim of the Grand Canyon and some of the recreation amenities there, some great off-road trails. We've already seen them moving that in a direction of wanting to just do permits and reservation systems. Having a monument there on the roads leading into it is just going to make that more restrictive. And... There's hunting access that we're going to be concerned about here. They always say this won't affect hunters, and in some cases that I've seen monuments not affect hunting, but it depends. It always just depends on what they decide to do in their management plans. Probably aircraft access will be affected. If you want to go use drones and photography and things like that that were previously allowed, now they'll restrict it and treat it like it's a national park or something. And... And don't go prospecting from uranium because they certainly are not going to allow that. Um, and, and that's really important be, uh, uh, that we don't allow uranium mining anymore because we need Russia to have a complete control of the market of uranium. At this point in time, anything we could do in this country to embolden and empower Russia and the geopolitical scene, it appears that President Biden's ready and willing to do that for his re-election campaign. And so, yeah, this is, aside from the local impact and the local economies, this is going to geopolitical, and it's not just uranium. 
Simone, are there other minerals out there besides uranium? Other, have you heard of any other kind of mining that goes on in these Yeah, there's landscapes? rare earths, too. That, I mean, electric vehicles, magnets in your phone, and your computer technology. I mean, rare earths, uranium, salt, vanadium. vanadium you can't have a green economy and a new nas- million-acre national monument every couple months. Those two things are completely incompatible. And so for hold on. those two things are completely incompatible. So for President Biden to be out and they say part of his this campaign swing through Utah, Arizona, New Mexico is to parade his accomplishments about climate change. He just set himself back. Yeah. You can't if we're not going to have nuclear energy. Sorry, we're not going to replace it's the greenest energy. The, he it's can the greenest find. energy emission free out there that can actually replace the base load of power we need in this country. It's the only option. You you can't replace it with just solar and wind. And so you're taking it all offline and then going and patting yourself on the back. Oh, there are serious environmentalists who say that was a huge mistake that we hard pivoted away from nuclear back in the 70s. And that can that's a debate that can be had. But one thing that's for certain, if you're not going to mine lithium, if you're not going to create nuclear, if you're not going to mine rare earth minerals, then you're not going to have an electrified green economy. And so you don't have it both ways. And we're learning where the actual priorities are. Uh, Blue Ribbon Coalition, we're focused primarily on recreation access. Most our members are all recreation users. But these, but your outdoor recreation doesn't happen in a vacuum. It happens as something you are able to afford to do, have the power in your vehicle to drive to these places to visit them because we have a functioning economy that develops natural resources and makes it possible for you to have a really high standard of living enough to the point that it includes outdoor recreation. And so this will impact us economically it'll impact us geopolitically it's a huge mistake it's a brazen political move we should all oppose it we can continue to work and pray and hope that the supreme court strikes down this nonsense because it's gotten out of control and hopefully they start with the utah monuments and that will set precedents that allow all these other ones to be challenged and we'll be doing everything we can to make sure that this abuse of power gets challenged and held accountable. And so that's it for episode 32. Is that right, Simone? Or 31, 32? 32. <laughs> okay, that's it for episode 32. Uh, we'll see you all next week. And thank you for listening. If you haven't subscribed yet, go ahead and do that. 